It's DTS 149 and the Destiny 2 gameplay reveal is this week. What questions will be answered? Let's find out. You're listening to Gary the Show. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Destiny the Show, the Destiny News Podcast to keep you the guardian ahead of the curve in the world of Destiny. I'm BBK Dragoon, joined as always by my great co-host Diddy. What's up, dude? How was your week? The week's been great. I'm doing fantastic. The air quality has apparently been very bad recently. I've had an air quality alert on my phone for the last three days, so trying to stay inside uh, because it's, it's also getting kind of hot outside, so... We're staying there, staying inside, reading up some Destiny lore, which we'll talk about a little bit. And very recently, this morning, actually, uh, we we finally got a garage for uh, Sanic's new car, right? Yes. So and no hail to, damage anymore, we, right? So, so no more hail damage, yes. And to protect it from the elements, of course. Uh, we went out for a drive today in the new car. And when we got back, there's just a truck parked in front of our garage. So <gasps> we can't get inside. No. And the uh, apartment complex management uh, took the day off for Mother's Day. So uh, that was super frustrating. So we left a note on on the, the truck. I wanted to kind of like bounce on top of the truck to kind of let the siren or alarm go off to, to notify them. <laughs> but it's Mother's Day. <laughs> you you restrained yourself. You're like, but, no. Uh, I, kinda, I restrained myself. The note was very, very, very polite. Hey, this, this garage is occupied. Please don't park here. That was it. So, uh, but frustrating. And uh, if it's not your garage, don't park in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's probably a neighbor or something visiting for Mother's Day, don't you think? I mean, there's spots. Oh, okay. Right then never mind. It. No, there no. are open spots. There is no reason for that yeah. truck to be there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then that makes sense. Diddy, it's been a fun week for me because mayhem clash for Iron Banner. I am almost rank four on my Titan. I'll never play Voidwalker the same again after a full week of mayhem using a Sunbreaker. You are literally a mobile Nova bomb throwing machine who has damage resistance. And my health regens, too. It's like, this is awesome. Why would anybody ever throw a Nova bomb again? I don't know. <laughs> when you can throw eight of them. In yeah, that's right. Hadouken, Hadouken, Hadouken. <laughs> I get my like little Ryu fantasy. So, this week, Diddy, Thursday, Destiny 2 gameplay reveal. We're very excited for it. Today's show, we're basically going to be finishing off our Destiny 1 review topic. It's been going the last three weeks. People have been really liking it, and that's awesome. So, we're going to finish off by talking about the Taken King through Rise of Iron until currently. We really don't want to cover any news because, quite frankly, this is going to be such a huge week. Everybody come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all they're going to be talking about is Destiny 2. We made it. I'm excited. Before we dive into the show, though, I want a I want to give a quick shout out to Justin, who sent us an email this week. They emailed us through our contact section of our website, and I'll just paraphrase what he said. A lot of nice stuff about DTS, which we very much appreciate. He said that D DTS is always packed with epic news and is a great companion for my coffee. And he also wants a shout out for the East Coast Vanguard Iron Wolves. So shout out to Justin, <laughs> Joe, Ellis, and Nick. Of the East Coast Vanguard Iron Wolves. I like that. That's a really cool clan name. <laughs> so thanks for the awesome email, man. We do yes, appreciate thank you those. so much. It's encouraging. We really love it when you guys send that stuff our way. All right. This week at Bungie 
Anything happen, Diddy? Not really. I mean, they're, it's the calm before the storm for them. I mean, well, I guess it's not calm in the studio. Everyone's trying to get the reveal ready. And that reveal is May 18th, this Thursday, at 10 a.m. Pacific date time or 1 p.m. Eastern date time over at twitch.tv slash Bungie. This is the Destiny 2 gameplay reveal live stream event. And this is what we've all been waiting for to see what Destiny 2 is really going to play like. So I'm, I am super excited. I am so, so excited as well. Now, you put something in the notes here about you can sign up on your PlayStation. Yeah, so you can like select the, the live stream or, or event on your PlayStation console, and it will register your account and kind of like a, a virtual seat in the theater. And as soon as the stream goes live, your PlayStation will actually kick off to that live stream right as soon as it uh, becomes active. So I thought that was actually a pretty cool feature. So if you're going to watch from home or somewhere where you have a PlayStation, go ahead and sign up there and uh, it will automatically start playing as soon as it's ready for you. A note for streamers, you are allowed to host the broadcast, but you cannot restream the broadcast. So don't have the stream going in the background while you're on your green screen talking to your chat. If you're going to show the stream, make sure it is hosted and not restreaming it. I thought that was something important to point out for folks in our community who are making some content. Now, we got an information, Diddy, about a really cool 24-hour charity live stream that's happening in a about like six or seven days, just a couple days after the gameplay reveal. Yeah, so on May 20th of this year, there is a 24-hour charity live stream hosted by Sundowner Gaming, and they are supporting veterans through the charities Stack Up, Vets Canada, and Help for Heroes UK. These three charities each provide support in different ways to American, British, Canadian, and Australian troops worldwide, kind of like reintegration after active duty, um, and helping through connecting through gaming and things like that. You can find more information about the charities and this event over at their website, which is sundownersgaming.com slash charity, or you can follow them on Twitter at sundownergaming. That sounds awesome, dude. This community working again towards some very rock-solid initiatives. We'll have a link for this on our website, destinytheshow.com, but once again, on Twitter, you can follow them at sundownergaming. All right, Diddy, talk to me about Destiny Story. You know, with the gameplay reveal coming up this week and Destiny 2 right around the corner at the end of this month or month, year, um, it's a pretty good time, I think, to really get to know the story of Destiny. Learn the lore behind Destiny 1. And I know I've talked about this a lot in past episodes that uh, I need to learn more of my Destiny lore. Well, there have been uh, multiple community efforts to teach people the lore of Destiny, but here they are finally compiled into one very easy-to-reference and easy-to-read source over at the Seraphim Archive, and that is seraphimarchive.com. This community member, there's a, we'll also link a Reddit post kind of talking about um, everything that went into creating this website. Um, it, it's just the story of Destiny, right, in a very easy-to-read location. You have things like uh, one of the first links is the prologue of Destiny. What's happening before the events of Destiny that we're playing today? So all of the the backstory to all the characters or to all the things in the universe of Destiny. So we'll learn about the ancient past, which is like the Books of Sorrow. I actually read through the Books of Sorrow today for the very first time, start to finish. Learned all about that. 
Then it goes into pre-golden age, and that's the time before the traveler enters our system. Then you have the golden age after the traveler arrives. Then you have the collapse, the dark age, and then the city age, talking about the iron lords, guardians of the city, the great Ahamkara hunt, those kinds of things that we that, we, that are referenced in Destiny, but we don't actually play through in the story missions. Uh, and then, of course, there's also sections that are like the current story of Destiny, like what we play through, and then looking ahead into Destiny 2. So I think those things are really great reference tools for people who want to learn, or I, I think you really should learn the story of Destiny and just the universe of Destiny uh, from the Seraphim Vault, or Archive, excuse me. Yeah, this is an awesome website. It's really well organized. I, th I think the way he's put it together with different pieces of artwork from the game all work together in this nice synergy of an experience that I want to engage with. So we've got four months, Diddy, until Destiny 2. More than enough time to go through here, read, learn, get a really like good set of background knowledge of the workings of the Destiny story so that every event in Destiny 2 will have that much more meaning and significance to the player who is well-versed in this. I want to go through this because I remember with World of Warcraft, its lore is so expansive and huge and it was very intimidating to actually get like invested in. But I remember buying, I had like one of those free months to audible.com. So I got one of the World of Warcraft books that was in between the Mists of Pandaria expansion and Warlords of Draenor. And it was so cool because when Warlords came out, there was a million and one things happening that I knew about from references within the book. And it created this much grander story arc and had a whole lot more significance. And I'm sure that's the way Destiny and Destiny 2 will be. If you have no idea, like me, about most of the story of Destiny, getting this background knowledge is going to make everything in Destiny 2 have that much more meaning and weight, right? Yeah, exactly. And the great thing about this website as well, it doesn't just have paragraphs and paragraphs of the lore. At the end of each post, it actually references other community content creators like Bife. Bife is the lore expert pretty much uh, in Destiny. References his videos on the topics as well. So it has that integration across all the different community members and sites and references throughout, uh, throughout the internet. And I think that's really great because you can read something and then someone can tell it to you and a story has graphical um, augmentation or, you know, that reference alongside the, the, the story. It really helps you learn and visualize things a little bit better. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be checking this out later today. All right, Diddy, let's continue with our topic of Destiny 1 review. So a few weeks ago, we talked about our favorite memories from the beta into vanilla, Dark Below. Last week was House of Wolves, and now it's the Taken King. It's September we just hit the dreadnought and began what I think for me was probably some of the most fun two months of Destiny ever. I have a really hard time deciding if House of Wolves was my favorite just because like community-wise things were popping off. But from a gameplay perspective, the Taken King really felt like the homecoming for Destiny or the title update that it needed because the quest system that was introduced right before was so brilliant and people don't remember pre TTK destiny UI or how quests even really existed in the background. It was nowhere near as organized as it was during the taken King, right? Yeah, no, it wasn't Uh taken King really gave us good reason to play the game day after day to get, you know, worthwhile gear, even though they left a lot of the year one weapons behind. That's when they, they, kind of redid the light level system uh, for Taken King and uh, left a lot of things behind like like the Galahorn, like the Thorn, those things. 
but it reintroduced so many more desirable pieces of gear through the quest lines and i thought it was really great really great like you said really great title update that it that it needed now one of my favorite things that stands out from the initial few weeks were those secret timed daily missions <laughs> yes those were so special and i wish we had like 30 more of them because what a like a complete gift to all of the Easter egg hunters in this community to just start banging their head against the wall in all of these daily missions to see, hmm, is there some secret we can unlock to get a weapon, right? The first time you yeah. got your, yeah. your, is the spindle, right? Yes, the black spindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time like people discovered it, Reddit freaks out, I'm at work, <laughs> you're texting me. The whole Discord's blowing up, and we're all trying to put groups together that night to go after it because, hey, we don't know when this daily mission's going to be back next time. That was an amazing, amazing idea, and I have a feeling Luke Smith played a big role in that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was it's a, it's a story mission. It's a daily story mission that you, you play start to finish. Okay, cool. I got my legendary marks or whatever. But then, like, someone thought what if I go this way? This is where the Tannic strike goes and this door is open. What's going to happen if I do that? And they discovered the secret ending and the, and they acquired the black spindle. And it was, it was, no one talked about it at Bungie. Bungie didn't even hint that this was a possibility. And like you said, every week or every time that a new story mission came up as the daily, they're like, okay, what's the secret with this one? <laughs> and uh, the legend himself, I remember he posted a video, how to solo the Black Spindle, because there were LFG posts, Black Spindle story mission, must be 400 light. I know that wasn't the light level back then, but just being hypothetical here. But uh, he was like, you don't have to have a fire team, you can just do it by yourself by doing this. And he's just god tier PVE, so, I mean, no one can follow in his footsteps. <laughs> yeah. And I also remember, I I liked the story in the campaign of the Taken King. I felt like there was enough there to keep you engaged for a decent amount of time, for Destiny 1 standards, of course. And then after you completed the main story, you still had a bunch of breadcrumb quests to go after that took a decent amount of time. Now, they weren't always the most engaging things, like go to Venus Patrol and do this stuff that's sort of mildly entertaining for a bit. And then the go and... Yeah. Oh, the sword quests were brilliant. I mean, like, the, the sword quest was very long, very grindy, but worth it, right? Yeah. Raze Lighter, Dark Drinker, and uh, the Bolt Caster. I, th- I think that's the name of it. <laughs> uh, the one that I don't have. Uh, just like, man, finally, we get to play swords, and then there's an exotic quest line. Like I said, desirable gear was there, and they made you work for it. Touch of Malice, same thing. I like those quest lines that require you to invest time in, but are a worthwhile reward in the end. I think Outbreak Prime is similar in that sense for Rise of Iron. King's Fall, we can't talk about the Taken King without mentioning (laughs) King's Fall. A behemoth of a raid. I look back at it with mixed feelings. I think total success. Destiny should always have some raids in it that are just epic and huge and challenging. But I also have a little bit of disdain for it because connection-wise, so many problems, at least with my raid groups and the final Oryx fight, the platforms, things not spawning, just tons of weird, wonky connection stuff happening where you're deep into the fight, everybody's execution is on point, 
but the ogre doesn't spawn out of the pool. And you're like, why? Why? <laughs> Too many things to render over a not-so-stable network connection. So that's, that's where those faults lie. But King's Fall will always have a very special place in my heart because it was the first raid in Destiny that I was actually prepared for when it, when it launched. And I got the raid group together, the Pineapple Boys. We jumped down to take on Oryx in, in, in the King's Fall raid. As soon as it launched, we were trying to get worlds first. We weren't trying to get worlds first, but we were on pace after the first boss. Um, and then we hit the giant roadblock brick wall of Golgoroth. It took us six hours to beat Golgoroth for the first time. And when he finally fell, we have a clip of it on our Twitch. I'll hopefully be able to link it in the show notes this week. It was just euphoric. It was just like, yes, finally we beat Golgoroth. And it was just like... That fight, to me, it's when I realized Destiny rating, this is Destiny rating, because it was very mechanically difficult. It required all six people. It required callouts. It required coordination. It required strategy. And it was so satisfying when we finally saw Golgroth fall for that first time and got the gear. It was, man, I, I loved that first time going through the raid, even though it took us six hours for a single boss it was it was a good time yeah and you guys weren't peeking over at other streams to try and figure out the strats part of the fun for you no. was the fact that you were trying to figure it out yourselves yeah. you guys got to Golgoroth as one of the first teams there beating mm -hmm. most of the teams because I was kind of keeping up on twitch watching the different groups and you guys got past the war priest really quickly now the, yeah mm -hmm. the taken king sort of winded itself down I would say two months after its release. I think I got a really rock solid two months and then some of the cracks started showing. And gear wise, the raid delivered some of the most lackluster raid weapons ever. Yes. <laughs> Exotic yes. wise, nothing that really felt like it had the oomph of those year one classic banger weapons. And Touch Malice was very niche. Uh, Sleeper Simulant was was great but uh just didn't have that same feel of year one vanilla galahorn you know yeah and those timed dailies we expected a whole lot more and i kept remembering the word trickle right everybody's talking about the yes the trickle, trickle feed content. when are they going to add new stuff and we were thinking maybe there's like seven or eight new exotics that they're eventually going to add that didn't end up being the case and it was also this time that bungie from a corporate standpoint was going through a lot of mix-up if you remember, the CEO of Bungie actually stepped down in January of that year. We went through an entire month of no this week at Bungie because of some of those changes corporately or schedule switches that were going down. <laughs> Bless you, by the way. Uh, originally, Destiny 2 was supposed to release the fall that Rise of Iron came out, so 2016. But, rumored, it got pushed back, and Rise of Iron was built as a stopgap piece of content just to fill that extra space. And as a result of the one-year delay, people speculated that the CEO had to step down as punishment. As Overlord Activision said, no, we must have a sacrifice for your failures, Bungie. I think there's probably some truth in there. Whether or not the, the change-up of staff has anything to do with Activision being displeased with Bungie, I have no clue. But I do think Rise of Iron was something they did not plan on putting together. Uh, in fact, didn't we get official confirmation that Rise of Iron was put together in just like seven or eight months? Like production yeah. started in January? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it did. It was that whenever they had those mix-ups or change-ups within their staff, it was, yeah, that's when they said, okay, we need something. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah. Rise of Iron. And the live event system had just come about. We had Festival of the Lost. We had Sparrow Racing League, Crimson Days, and then rolls around to the April update. And, and everything before the April update, I would say, was fairly meh. Um, Sparrow Racing League was cool, but shallow. Crimson Days was a cool concept, but again, shallow and Festival of the Lost, the original one, was just like, meh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the Masks quests was not really a quest because, oh, man, I just think like something like that would have more impact if there were more areas like the Tower in Destiny, more, like I guess you could social say Social spaces, yeah. <laughs> the social spaces, yeah. I guess there's the Reef as well, but uh, that's not really fair, so... Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, Sparrow Racing League, we thought, was a really, really cool concept. But like you said, it got old real quick with just the two maps, just the, the really lackluster gear as well. I guess it's it's really cool looking and it's desirable, right? But it's not really worth the time and effort to get the full set. But it was, they, they improved on it when it came back, of course. But uh, still, I think it was a little shallow. Yeah, so why don't we fast forward then to Rise of Iron. Just content drought in between Taken King and Rise of Iron. Wasn't my favorite time of Destiny, to be honest with you, but I'm also, you know, I want to be from the understanding side. Hey, I'm hoping this whole Destiny 1 thing was really a testing ground for Destiny 2, and Destiny 2 can learn a whole bunch from these content drought areas or or lacking spaces within Destiny and improve upon it. Rise of Iron, man. I think it had incredible artwork. I think it brought with it some good quality of life features and an awesome raid. And that's about all I can think of. <laughs> Man, yeah. that campaign was short, dude. The raid, I think, was a true return to form. Yep. You know, they had, I think they had, with the previous three raids and Skull Loss as well, I think they had a really good mixture of of the spectrum, right? You had the really short raid, really action-packed with, with Crota's End. And then you had the kind of middle of the ground, the the gem of Raid of a Vault of Glass, and then the epic saga that was King's Fall. And then Wrath of the Machine just kind of looked at all of those and said, okay, I like this from that raid, I like this from that raid, and I like this from the other raid. And it yep. put it all into one, and it was very, very well done. I mean, start to finish, Wrath of the Machine is, is really good. Like... I mean, a friend of ours, Jim, he absolutely loves Wrath of the Machine. Every time it's the featured raid uh, with Age of Triumph, he's just like, yep, Wrath, let's do it 17 times in a week. Let's go. Because he just, he loves to jump down and kill Axis every single time. So it uh, it's just very well done. Like the Zamboni first cut scene in a raid. I mean, come on. We need more cut scenes. We need dialogue. We need some type of story behind all the bosses and everything. The cut scene in the raid was first of its kind yeah no it was fun i think they did a good job i'm kind of waiting for the documentary in five years that we get where bungie is or maybe it won't even be that long but you have all these bungie devs going we did the best we could with that <laughs> trash can of an engine i really just want to hear about the struggles and challenges like just an honest look inside pre-production destiny one what happened to the story what happened during those big staff shakeups? 
why was the engine so challenging to work with? Why so many limitations on vault space, that kind of stuff. And I know they can't talk about it currently because you can't damage the reputation of the franchise or the game, and they may not be able to talk about it for a decade or whatever. But I really want that inside honest look at why things were the way they were. Overall, I got a ton of great value out of Destiny. I think it's an awesome game. We, we, we're huge fans of it, but we also <laughs> like to talk honestly about our experiences and our feelings because we know many of the listeners share those sentiments that we do, right? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you 100%. I mean, if we weren't fans of the game, we wouldn't have bought it on both consoles and multiple DLCs for each console and paid for online services for those consoles to play destiny you know it's one of the main reasons i got a playstation to start was destiny was came out on playstation first you know it had the alpha had the beta before xbox ever touched it and i I love this game man i've got over i think 1200 hours across both consoles i some of you are probably like wimp hold my hold my beer diddy yeah (laughs) exactly i know we're gonna have a couple of our friends say (laughs) let me tell you something about playtime son yeah but uh it's i think the time that i've put in and the the content that has been put out i think i i think i've got my money's worth 100 percent easily yeah and it just i'm thrilled i'm really excited to see what's going to happen with destiny 2 this thursday i am a bit curious diddy because i'm trying to do a little a challenge over on the playstation right i'll talk more about that challenge if it turns out to be successful or not on the on the show a little bit later but i was looking to buy rise of iron i don't have rise of iron i have like up to the taken king on the playstation but i never bought rise of iron it's still 30 dollars and i'm just sitting here going (laughs) The Legendary Edition is $40 right now, and you're telling me Rise of Iron is still $30? Why? Like, why have they not released a digital, complete battle chest version for $20? At this point, like, why on earth wouldn't you want to go, like, hey, Destiny 2's coming out, we want you to try Destiny 1, so get the entire experience, enjoy it this summer, 20 bucks. Why? Like, the game's going to be deader than dead in four months. <laughs> I mean, I think it's because they haven't announced anything on Destiny 2 yet. I, I say anything. You know what I mean, guys, gameplay-wise. You know, I think halfway through the summer, you'll see that price cut for Destiny 1 to pr- kind of prep prep the fields for Destiny 2. So keep your eyes out. All right, man. That was a lot of fun just talking through our memories and experiences of Destiny 1. Listeners, you all have made it an even better experience because we get to talk, play, discuss, and just spend time with you guys. So thank you for listening to the show. Thanks for giving Diddy and I the chance to to do this. It's been a heck of a lot of fun. And the next chapter starts this Thursday, Diddy. I can't wait. I, I cannot wait. What? I mean, work knows that this is happening. So I'm probably going to take an extended lunch that day. So it uh, I get to learn all the details. Man, I'm trying to, I'm like debating. I'm saving time for the beta and for release. I don't want to take off for the reveal, even though I really want to watch like all of it. I'll have to figure out like my 15 minute breaks how to time it so I can get the most watching during work as possible. So, all right, Diddy, where can people find your content? Twitter.com slash Diddy DTS, D I T T Y DTS, and YouTube.com slash Wooshness, W O O O S H N E S S. 
Head to our website, destinytheshow.com, for all the information from today and more, all the links and that good stuff, or if you want to contact us. Follow us on Twitter, at Destiny the Show, to be notified when the latest shows go live. And you can follow me on YouTube and Twitter, at BBK Dragoon. You can join our Discord, discord.me slash destinytheshow. I'm sure we'll have a channel going off talking everything about the reveal. I'm nervous, I'm excited, but Diddy... We did it. Air high five through the internet. Content drought ends. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the reveal.